time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, February 28th, the last day of February. About ready to put that in the review mirror. We're going to start into March. What a crazy time it is. What's going on in Ukraine? Can't wait to get Matt Graham on here and get to talk to you about that. I also listened to the Les Parker's soundbite that he put into us. So great, great content we've got coming to you. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and realtors and builders, and anyone else that wants to listen in. Even got some consumers listening into it from time to time. Graduate students, people in finance, and colleges. We've picked up a pretty good listening group from within certain universities. Really a compliment. Love to hear from you. And thank you so much for many of you that have contacted me to let me know. Hey, a professor turned me on to your podcast. It's really good. Appreciate it. The reason they do that is because our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. Talk about timely hot topics. Call today's hot topic segment with Brent Chandler, founder and CEO of FormFree, and Kevin Coffin, vice president of client and partner delivery at Freddie Mac. We're going to be talking about Freddie Mac's recent announcement of a capability that allows mortgage lenders to access home buyer income using direct deposit data. And as uh, FormFree is a Freddie Mac partner, we're going to hear all about that and how they're working together, how that came about. Obviously, Freddie Mac's major leader and the other, as we refer to him sometimes, the evil twins, Fannie Mae, their leader. But then here comes along a guy like Brent Chandler. Mr. Innovator, I got this idea. And I just love his energy and his positive outlook. And so we're going to have both Kevin and Brent on in the podcast. You're going to enjoy this interview. I'm really looking forward to sharing it with you and having you be a part of it. It's going to be great. So text me with questions as we're doing this. Again, text them to 512-632-2900. I'll be sure to put them on and in front of them as best I can. Let's get over and say thank you to some folks that we're partnered with, Industry Syndicate. Check out all the podcasts at industrysyndicate.com. They do a great job promoting our podcast so check out industrysyndicate.com also special thank you to the mba mortgage bankers association of america be sure to get signed up for the mortgage accident alliance application maw app to have your voice heard support what they're doing on the hill they're a powerful voice for us and we're not the biggest group in the world the, the realtors association has a much larger voice so does the builders and we need to make sure that we support the efforts of the mortgage bankers association of america and what they're doing the mba does a great job That's how you can do it whether you're a member or not you can download the mortgage action alliance app and again have your voice heard because when you agree with something they're saying and you post it, it'll go out to all the various representatives, senators, where you're located. It's a great tool, great functionality in there. So also, Finastra's Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution, grateful for their sponsorship. They are a market leader in providing point-of-sale origination platforms. I'm going to be with them this evening. I'm speaking and moderating for Finastra at the IBCA down in San Antonio. We'll be down there tomorrow doing a session with all the community bankers flying into San Antonio. So for those of you listening, going to be there. Look forward to seeing you come up. Be sure to introduce yourself. Love to hear from you. Also, Lenders One does a great job along with the Mortgage Collaborative, both of these co-ops. 
just do a great job of communicating with vendor members and lender members. They get everyone communicating better. Again, it doesn't replace the MBA, but both these organizations do a great job of helping bring smaller, more intimate groups together to talk about your business. We've got the Lenders One Conference coming up. It starts on Sunday. It's out at the Winter Conference in JW Marriott in Phoenix. Look forward to seeing many of you there. Also, then the Mortgage Collaborative has their TMC Days in Miami at the Fountain Blue. That is going to be March 19th through the 22nd. And both these co-ops do a great job. And these conferences, be sure to get out to them. Also, one of our newer sponsors, Total Expert. Great to have them. They're a leading fintech software company that delivers purpose-built CRM. Love that. Purpose-built. Imagine that. It brings about greater customer engagement and helps so many. And they've got a new platform that they're going to be announcing on our podcast. So exciting. The Total Experience Platform. Unifies data, marketing, sales, and compliance solutions to provide a cohesive experience throughout and across the customer lifecycle. Check it out. Looking forward to having them on again as guests. We've got them scheduled for March 28th as a guest on the podcast. Also, Knowledge Scoop does that great job helping you with a learning management system. Go to trythecoop.com to find out about what's being released April 1st. Also, Mobility, MMI, and Modex. Both of these tools give you access to data that's so rich when it comes to recruiting. Both these companies do a great job at giving you intelligence and where to go, what markets to open up to, and who to recruit in those markets. Also, SnapDocs is an eVault solution that will help you simplify e-notes and transact across many partners. They're also doing so much when it comes to e-closings and just pushing the whole e-agenda forward. Checking them out. Also, the podcast we did interview with Vishal Rana here, and we did back in September. Very good information. They're still getting a lot of downloads. Also, Success Kit, Julian Lumpkin at Success Kit helps you tell your story through testimonials. Nothing more powerful than another voice communicating about what you do and have done well for others. Check it out. Success Kit, we interviewed Julian on January 10th. I encourage you to check that out. As well as Lender Toolkit, my friend Brent Emler there. As well as Penny Mac, so grateful for them. As well as Form Free, as well as DW Consulting. We're so thrilled to have all these sponsors be a part of it. Special thank you goes out to Rob, Les, Alice, Allen, and Matt, and Jack Nuttery for their contributions to the podcast each and every week. Let's get moving on with a report from the MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob, what you got for us? Hi, I'm Rob Van Raphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, FHFA released a long-awaited reproposal of updates to the capital liquidity and net worth requirements for servicers of loans backed by the GSEs. These requirements primarily would apply to IMB servicers with certain additional requirements placed on large IMB servicers, i.e. those with, with servicing portfolios greater than $50 billion. Comments on the proposal are due on April 25, 2022. FHFA noted that it expects to finalize the updated requirements in the second quarter with most elements taking effect on December 31st, 2022. MBA will further analyze the proposal and develop comments that reflect the vital role IMB servicers play in the market. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Check out the MBA's Mortgage Action Alliance app, folks. Encourage you to do that. Let's get over to Les Parker and the TM Spotlight. See what he has for us today. TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy. 
Warlinka, Warlinka, he blinka in time. In Ukraine, bad Putin, small Russian army. Since no one counted on NATO to welcome Ukraine, the markets expect a negotiated settlement. Russia will get a presence in the Ukraine and no NATO. So the market ignores Putin's dance. Provided cyber warfare does not break out, the oil, bond, and equity markets anticipate no significant economic damage to the Ukrainian David and Goliath skirmish. The 10 years trapped below 210, with wild intraday moves and a bias towards lower rates. What a linka, he blinka in time. These views are my own. Find who blinka at tmspotlight.com. What drama? Get him to blink. Oh, let's touch her. The creative, yeah. Be sure to sign up for the TM Spotlight newsletter. You can do so at tmspotlight.com. And uh, you can subscribe to the paid version by putting in the word power for um, power seller. Matt Graham is here and you can sign up for the mbslive.net. Get the extended trial period by putting in LOL for looking on lending. Matt, good to have you here. Yeah, there's a few things going on in the market past week or so. An interesting move in bonds here and there. Maybe a little bit bigger than it has been. Seriously, though, it's been ridiculous ever since CPI and Bullard's comments two weeks ago. And then the day after that was when the Ukraine headlines intensified and it has been nonstop back and forth volatility and uh, a lot of confusion and a lot of questions about why things are happening the way they are. But in general, I think it's fairly logical in the sense that we have a, a major geopolitical conflict and the bond market responding to that in a logical way. I think the, the bigger questions come into play when we talk about what's going to happen next, what are the ifs and thens, what sort of lasting impact this could have in financial markets. And uh, on that note, my analysis or my take or my opinion really would continue to be what it was before this flared up, which is that in the big picture, longer term, unless something more catastrophic happens, this is temporary volatility for the bond market. Now, if sanctions get onerous enough and the EU and the US fully pull the trigger on banning Russia from SWIFT and they've already banned certain central bank transactions, it's hard to keep up with everything that's going on with all of the, the sanctions and all of the responses from the international community. But the proof is in the pudding. What happens to the Russian economy and its interactions with the global economy afterward? I think that most trade does see a hit to global GDP. As a result, that's generally bond market positive and inflation negative. But then there's an inflation component, too, because of uh, mm -hmm. oil and I think that was one of the, our first yabbas that we discussed on this podcast. And yep. there has definitely been a response in oil, but it hasn't been really, really scary. In fact, oil was higher last week and it's still high, still elevated, 95 to $99 a barrel, but it hasn't been skyrocketing. So I think given the fact that a lot of that the highness or the level of that price is currently accounting for a lot of uncertainty with this conflict. I think if it were to be over today, that price would come down. But it seems like the average opinion among people who know more about energy than I do uh, would seem to suggest it puts upward pressure on oil prices. Not great for inflation, inflation not great for bonds. The bond market is pricing in more market-based inflation 
and that's derived from Treasury Inflation Protected Securities Yield minus 10-year Treasury Yield. That number is higher than it's been in two months. And that had, interestingly, been fairly low relative to the past few months. It was fairly low in recent weeks. Surprisingly so when things like CPI were moving the market so much. In any event, a a lot left to play out. There are several different outcomes here. We don't know which one we're going to get necessarily, but whichever one we get is going to have a big effect on how much the geopolitical situation is going to matter. And uh, let's hope we get one that doesn't help rates too much because those are pretty ugly for the world. But how much are they helping rates? Not as much as we might hope, but they have definitely put a ceiling in as of two weeks ago and uh, a little bit more improvement this morning. Mortgage lenders have been very hesitant because of the spread situation and the uncertainty. We don't like to have big volatile moves accounting for gains. It's not a comfortable thing to base rate sheets on. And then beyond that, MBS spreads have just blown way out since the Fed started uh, talking about more aggressive normalization. And the other component of that is the yield flattening. So two-year treasury yields becoming more like 10 and 30-year yields due to Fed rate hike expectations. And then if we consider that rates above 4% are ripe for refinancing in the event that rates fall below 4% by any reasonable amount in the next five years, that means MBS durations, the average lifespan of a mortgage-backed security, is much shorter now than it was when rates were lower and when those loans were being originated in the upper 2% to to mid-3% range. So faster speeds, shorter duration, and then match that up against the treasury market where the shorter duration treasuries are doing much worse than longer duration treasuries. And that gives us another reason for MBS underperformance. And then again, just to circle back to volatility, MBS don't like volatility. They will (laughs) gradually narrow to their best spreads if the bond market is stable. So when the bond market's going crazy, it's another complicating factor. And that's why on several occasions last week, we didn't see rates. These really improved very much, even though like 10-year treasury yields had dropped quite a bit. Looking a bit better this morning, but if the Ukraine situation comes to some sort of amenable conclusion, or at least a shifting of the gears, then who knows how much of these gains will remain. Economic data, just a quick reminder, we do a Powell testimony on Wednesday and Thursday this week. This is scheduled semi-annual congressional testimony. House, I believe, on Wednesday, Senate on Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Those can be market movers. He'll clarify probably the 50 basis point hike stuff. That is completely out the window. Not that it was ever a huge likelihood in my mind, but the market for a few hours thought it was. And then jobs report Friday, obviously, we had talked about that maybe not being as much of a market mover just before it really made a big difference last month. So I wouldn't rule out the jobs report as a market mover, even if it's just because traders are used to making big moves on jobs day. And that's going to do it. We're just watching technical levels, going to see if the market gives us an indication that it's game on. But even if it is game on, we have to worry or wonder that it could be game off if things changed on the geopolitical stage. Mm -hmm. That's all I got for this week, Dave. That's what you got. Well, Jack, let's jump you in here. I do have a question for Matt. David, we could spend the rest of the day unpacking the conflict in the Ukraine. But Matt, the one thing that I haven't been able to really get my arms around is the SWIFT sanctions. It seems like NATO, the United States have been very obscure with exactly what 
sanctions have been imposed. Banks haven't been named, the banks that were included in the SWIFT sanctions. And clearly, this does not close commerce off, right? I mean, we've got oil flowing into the United States, and Russia and the Ukraine constitute 29% of the world's grain exports. Certainly, the Ukraine's not exporting grain right now because their ports are closed. But have you been able to really unravel which Russian banks are involved in the current version of the SWIFT sanctions and what that really means to global commerce or at least commerce traded by Russia globally? I mean, I wish I knew anything about any of that because like you said, the SWIFT sanctions have been pretty obscure and even making sense of exactly what the implications would be are tough for somebody that isn't in international clearing. And that is a realm that very Few people are experts in and even fewer that are talking about it on TV or online. What we do know is that SWIFT is like the PayPal of the world and there is no Venmo in that world. And so it would greatly decrease the ability for companies that bank with different banks to exchange money securely with one another for any number of transactions. It's not that there aren't workarounds. It's just that this is such a ubiquitous system that cutting off access, commerce definitely takes a hit. And we haven't seen any huge consequences of that so far. And as far as I understand, most recently this morning, we have some quote unquote targeted swift sanctions, but not nothing that you know completely blocks the entire country or every bank in Russia. But definitely sanctions, they're more onerous than they had been in 2014. And obviously, Russian currency is definitely showing that. It's kind of striking to consider that the ruble was around 30 rubles to the dollar for the 2014 Ukraine situation. Then after those sanctions, it doubled to about 60. And then it was as high as 100 uh, last night. And now I think around 90. I haven't looked in the last few minutes. But so it's devalued threefold in the past eight years. A crazy move. And 30% of that in the past week. So that has complications. Russia is a big component of the global economy. Not a huge per capita component, but it's a big place. So, yeah. Especially with um, oil. Biggest yeah. import. Oil I mean, there's us. a lot of talk going on about oil. That's a huge problem for Europe. Uh, not yeah. as much for the U.S. We don't import a lot. U.S. is the number one petroleum producer right now, and thankfully so. But Germany, there's a sticky yeah, situation sure. there, and yeah. we definitely saw an inflation pop in German inflation expectations when this whole thing started. So that is something to keep an eye on since Germany is basically the EU when it comes to markets, since it's such a big part of the Euro economy. Yeah, great stuff. You always bring such good perspective. Great question, Jack. I've been reading and digging, and I just haven't been able to really get any clarity on it. And so you just kind of reinforced the fact <laughs> that I didn't miss something in my research. No. Yeah, definitely. You didn't. No, I was looking at that too. My wife was asking more about the SWIFT banking. So I got it because we wire money back and forth overseas. And so we got then familiar with it, but the, the inner workings and what this means and the complications it brings and how the implications interest rates is not a direct correlation. It's not obvious. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you so much for being here. Let's get over to Alice Alvey, CMB, Vice President of Education Training at Union Home Mortgage with today's legislative update. What you got, Alice? Hi, everyone. I found Matt's information just really intriguing. For those of us who don't live it every day and don't have the depth of knowledge that Jack and Matt do, I thank you, Matt, for expounding upon that question in a way that helps make a few more things make sense. So thank you for that. My bit here, I'm going to keep it short because I know we've got some great guests coming up and also because Congress has been closed. So there's not a lot of new things going on. 
What was really interesting, though, we've had Mitch Kiter on the show, and so I really value Mitch's insights and opinions. And we have the Wiener Brodsky Kiter newsletter that comes in as one of the many things that I read. And one of the things that came up last week was a topic that we used to talk about all the time, David, and that was vendor management. Yeah. Uh, do you remember when all of that mm-hmm. came out and we oh, yeah. had to spend so much time because lenders were trying to understand how much detail do I really need to go into with each of my vendors. Uh, So I encourage you to check out, there was an FTC recently gave final approval to a settlement with a mortgage industry data analytics firm concerning the company's use of a third party to process sensitive information. In this complaint, the FTC alleges that the company failed to maintain a comprehensive information security program as required by the Gramm-Leach-Bliley Act, which impacts all of us, uh, mortgage, independent mortgage bankers, brokers, lenders, you name it. We all have to make sure we're keeping information secure. So this was really interesting because it went into that the company hired a vendor to perform text recognition scanning on mortgage documents and somewhere in there was a gap in who had access to information and how the servers were being managed. So just a reminder, I think it's a case worth looking at because the way it's itemized in the attachment, in the actual final approval from the FTC, gives you really a roadmap as to how detailed of information you should be digging into when you approve your third-party vendors. And it goes many layers. It's not just the vendors I'm using, but are the vendors I'm using also using vendors? We now have two mm-hmm. three layers of vendors that we're all working with. So uh, it was just a good reminder, a topic that needs to get brought to the surface periodically. And this case was a good reminder that everybody needs to make sure they're taking a look at their processes and they would be able to document and live up to this type of scrutiny. So last but not least, Dave, Desktop appraisals are a week away from Freddie Mac. Mm-hmm. So March yeah. 6th, we are looking forward to seeing our LPAs with some indication of when we may be able to get some desktop appraisals approved. So we're looking forward to that next week. Yeah. And that's it for today, Dave. Back to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alice. Appreciate it very much. Great job. I mean, the, the desktop appraisals are really kind of an exciting thing. Again, I tell everyone, go out and listen to the interview that we did with Alan Weiss. It was February 8th that we published the Alan Weiss podcast. So it was a special podcast, and I encourage you to go check that out. It was one that Jack and I did. Jack, you attest to it. It was one of those exciting interviews, was it not? It certainly was. A lot of innovation there. Anyway, Alan Pollock couldn't join us today. He's in the client meeting, so we wish you well, Alan. I always love his updates, but we're going to move right on again. This wraps up the weekly update. Next week, we've got Chris Zingo from Finastra, again, the largest fintech company in the world. We're privileged to have him as a sponsor, one of our anchor sponsors for many, many years. We're thrilled to have him there, but we're going to be talking with Chris about what he's seeing going on. Again, I'm joining the Finastra team down in San Antonio here this afternoon for for the Independent Community Bankers Association, ICBA's lending conference that's going on down there. So for those of you listening, we'll look forward to seeing you there. And we're so grateful for Finastra and looking forward to hearing Chris's comments next week. Say a special thank you to all of our sponsors, Finastra, Lenders One, Mobility, MMI, Modex, the MBA, Knowledge Coop, the Mortgage Cooperative, SnapDoc, Success Kit, Lender Toolkit, Penny Mac, Total Expert, and Forum Free. We're so grateful for you, Forum Free and all the innovation you're bringing to our industry. Have a great week, everybody. Forward to seeing you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.